Hello and welcome to Casting Nets podcast. You are now joining us for Beyond the Sermon, and we're glad to have you with us. Um, we do not have Pastor Rudot with us this morning. He had some things that he needed to get done, and um, I thought also I think because of the arrangement he has with one of his local congregations, he ended up preaching the same sermon twice because he he goes from his congregation and then to another. So. Um, he's like, you guys are going to be able to handle it. So we're going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm going to try to do all the clicky buttons. Um, and uh, hopefully together we will we'll make this into a, a show that everyone will envy. It'll be like, that was, just the, that was just the best content. It was the best clicky button movement thing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. All right. So welcome to the show. We are... Um, we are going to be looking back on this last weekend, and that was the celebration of the second Sunday of Lent. And we have two verses. So our first verse was the epistle lesson, um, and that I preached on the epistle lesson, and then you preached on the gospel of Mark. So that's where we are going. I will be, uh, I guess, just as we go in the order of reading, usually in the in the liturgical service, we would start with the Old Testament reading. And then we'd move on to the epistle reading, and we'd solve everything and come to a final conclusion with the reading of the gospel. And so I guess I'll start with my sermon, and then we'll finish up with the gospel proclamation and all of its golden brilliance, um, as you can you can take it home with, with our gospel message for today. Um, so I preached on Romans uh, chapter 5, and I, I was preaching on... Um, 1 through 11, which is the reading for this Sunday. I will throw that up here for us. Um, and here is where we we have, and hopefully you can see it and you can read along. This is from um, my uh, um, Logos software. So hopefully you'll be able to, to follow along easily enough. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice confidently on the basis of our hope for the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice confidently in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces patient endurance, and patient endurance produces tested character, and tested character produces hope, and hope will not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. For at the appointed time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. It is rare indeed that someone will die for a righteous person. Perhaps someone might actually go so far as to die for a person who has been good to him, but God shows his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have, been, or have now been justified by his blood, it is even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, it is even more certain that since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only... Is this so? But we also go on rejoicing confidently in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now received 
this reconciliation. And so here is the, the word of our Lord. All right, shrink that on here. Um, so my sermon, I've been following the the Rethinking Religion um, kind of series, and, and my sermon theme was Rethinking Suffering Under the Cross. Um, so I, I kind of limited my approach to um, the text, focusing kind of in on the suffering aspect, um, bringing in the the forgiveness and, and what we have now because of Christ. But I, I did not focus heavily on the last half of, of the verse. So, so I kind of focused in, um, if you were, still have your Bibles open and you're following along, I kind of focused in 1 through 5 was, was my, my main focus of my sermon. And I started it out with, with the idea of paradoxes, right? That we're in the season of Lent, and Lent is just one big paradox because we are recognizing our need for a Savior. We recognize that we're sinners and, and that uh, really we deserve to be punished. And yet, the paradox is Christ, is who is perfect and doesn't deserve it, um, gets punished in our place. And there's this paradox. And we're like, why does this happen? Um, and we have throughout all of... of um, the season of Lent, this reminder of the paradoxes, you can go to um, in, in the different lectionary series, you know, you end up, um, when we talk about Matthew in, in year one, um, during the season of Lent, we have a chance to talk about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we see the poor, right, um, who have the inheritance of the kingdom, those who mourn, um, they are glad. And, we're, and we see all of these paradoxes that are going uh, back and forth and how they inherit these riches and how um, they're no longer mourning and how they're giving all of these gifts. And, and then we get this possibly a very hard paradox um, that the, the Lord gives us, and this is what you're going to probably talk about more, is, is the fact that we're going to have to take up a cross and, and that we're going to have to follow and that it's good that we take up a cross and that we follow and then Paul brings up a par- uh, this paradox of suffering and how suffering is a joyful thing. And that for the Christian, suffering is not, not something that, that is, is hurtful and horrible and the world is ending, but it is something that is freeing um, to a certain extent. And so I, I said, you know, this brings us to the idea of rethinking suffering under the cross. Because of Christ, because we are Christian— because we are found in him, because we stand um, there at those beams and we see our Lord who suffers and dies for us, we rethink our own suffering um, in light of that. And so I very briefly uh, introduced uh, where we are going. And I I admitted in the sermon, I said, there is just such a wealth of stuff to to talk about here. I said, you know, we could talk about justif- what does it mean to be justified? That that act of being declared not guilty as as Paul takes us to a courtroom and and we are placed, you know, in front of the king of kings and and he has every right to say you have broken all 10 of of my laws that I have given you and you you deserve this. Um, and yet we don't get that. We get a declaration of not guilty. We get a peace now between God, our Father, because of Jesus. What does that all mean? Um, I said, you could spend forever talking just about that. You could talk about how we have, by faith, that that gift given to us by the Holy Spirit and that now clings, right, to these gifts that, that, that the Lord is pouring out, the grace that he gives to us, that faith that is created by the Holy Spirit and how it, it brings us into a hope. I said, but it is that hope that really we want to focus on because that's what 
Paul focuses on. Paul is saying, yes, you're justified. Yes, you've been brought to faith. But it enters you into a hope. And how does that hope come into being? How does that hope in the glory of God and his promises for us really become something? And it all is about that confident rejoicing and suffering, which seems like a paradox. Because most of the time, when we suffer, suffering doesn't produce hope. Suffering makes us hard. And I said it makes us so hard, it almost makes us brittle. Because it, it creates in us this desire to shut ourselves off, to protect ourselves. And then when, when someone interacts with us in that suffering, we easily break. And we become jaded. And we become angry. And I said, and that's what suffering in the world brings. That's the kind of suffering that, that our sinful nature really likes to focus on. It's the suffering of how, how dare God do, right? The suffering of how could I be the only one treated? And in and, and our suffering in the world, it's always our sinful nature always focuses us on saying, you're the only one going through it. Nobody else has ever done this. Nobody else has ever had to, to, to bear up on, under this kind of weight. How horrible that you are, and, and, and that jades us. It, 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 it makes us very brittle in our interactions, and, and it makes us very snippy and angry and hurtful when we respond to other people. And our sinful nature loves to focus on that in the middle of suffering. And yet Paul says we should be joyful because of what Christ has done, because of his strength, because of what the Holy Spirit has worked in us and what our faith that has been given to us now receives, suffering is different for the believer. And it's not that it doesn't make you harder. It makes you harder, but not in the sense of brittle. And so I, I used an example of working in like a smithy and doing some blacksmithing work. And I said, you know, there's there's uh, maybe a time where you'd want it, but most times um, blacksmiths don't use water to quench their steel, especially if they're going to be making like a blade or if they're making um, some type of um, um, a weapon or things of that nature. They don't use water to quench the steel. I said they, they, they heat the steel up after it's been pounded out, after it's been molded, and after it's been shaped, and then they, they put it into oil. And it's usually oil that they have, you know, some of them will have, if they're purists, they'll be like, we're going to get really good oil, you know, the pure good stuff. Others, they'll just like, I just took the oil from my car that, <laughs> that I was changing the oil and I didn't know what else to do with it. So they kept a bucket there of that car oil and they use that oil to temper the blade, to harden it. And it hardens it in a way that it's not brittle because that oil adjusts the heat and how it cools down in a, in a way that that doesn't immediately and instantly cool it like water will, where it, it's too fast. It cools it too fast. And it's hard, but it's brittle. It can easily break. Whereas when it gets quenched in this oil, it, 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 it does get hard, but it, it's more easily worked with. It'll, it will bend instead of breaking when it reaches that point. And I said, this is, this is those, these pictures that we kind of have when... When Paul, as he's talking, he says, rejoice in these ways, rejoice in these sufferings. But he says it, it produces a patient endurance. And, and really, it's a beautiful word 
and it's a patient persistence, not just in, it, we get the idea of endurance from it, but in the, in the Greek, it's a patient persistence, right? It's that we are going to continue to go through this. We understand that this is not pleasant. We understand that this is, this is uncomfortable, but we are going to continue in it because the end goal is worth it. And what comes from it is better. And what will happen afterwards is not what I'm thinking or think that will, will happen to me now. Although it feels like right now the world is ending. It feels like right now that, that, that everything has gone away. I said, I can imagine what Job must have thought, right? I mean, you, you, can't, you can't deny that there were maybe a moment in Job's life, because that was the, the, um, the Old Testament reading, that Job was thinking, I've lost everything. And he didn't just lose it once this year. Five years later, he lost that. Five years later, he lost, he lost it all on one day. I mean, he lost his children, he lost his property, he lost his servants, he lost his, his, his prophets, he lost his fields. He, everything was taken for him in a day. And, and I said, it's hard for, for us as sinners not to say, how horrible, <laughs> and, and, and not look ahead. And yet Job looks ahead and he says, naked I came into the world, naked I'll leave, but praise be to God. All right, praise be to God. Um. And that same thing for us, that we have this persistence. Yes, this is not great, but this persistence of tested character that, that, that proves us out, that, that we have gained the ability and in the, in the, the, we have gained the opportunity. We have uh, been tempered through the fire. We can manage and walk our way through this. And that character brings a hope, a hope rooted in the glory of God who has given and said to us that I have conquered sin, death, and the very power of the devil for you. And then in the sermon, I, I was able to have, because I had a beautiful visit on Friday with one of our members who had been going through some major health issues and had been struggling. And I was able to say, you know, I got to sit at the foot of a modern Job. Because so many times we read what happens to Job and we're thinking, yeah, that's great, but that seems almost like a story. I've never met a Job. I met a Job. I got to sit with him on Friday. And I got to talk with him. And I got to see how he deals with these types of sufferings in his life and how how his Christian character had been tested and comes out better and his hope in the Lord and how no matter how many times he goes through these things, they, they really meant nothing to him because he was looking ahead to the hope that was his and that he, he gloried in his Lord and in his Savior and in his Savior's blessings to him. And I said, and that's, that's what Paul's talking about in rethinking our sufferings, that our sufferings that are not new for anybody, they're not different from anybody else's sufferings, and yet the way we get to approach them is in the future hope. The way we get to approach them is in the hope that our Lord still has everything in control and is still victorious for us, and it is ours. And so that was my my opportunity. Um, and and then I, I kind of summed it up with, and if you, uh, my, my, my summing up with is, and if your hope falters, and if your hope is uh, at all um, questioned or or you or weakened, remember that at the appointed time, while we were still helpless, right, God died. Christ died for the ungodly. Um, that's you. And and then I skipped to eight, and God shows his his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died. Um. And that's, 
that was kind of kind of my sermon there. I like it. Appreciate you sharing God's word that way and the, the emphasis you have on on preaching the text and and so what uh, what would you have liked to have been able to spend more time on or you know um, I really wish um, I would have spent I'm kind of torn I wanted to spend a little bit more time a lot more time on that idea of justified and being justified um, you know Paul he he just he desires to have that in there for a reason right he he opens up um, and it, it it really comes from from verse or chapter four where he ends with really highlighting that we have been raised to life as well, right? Because of our justification, because of this declaration. And then he says, since we've been justified. So he's building. And this is a this is a point he's building on. Then and and really hitting home that idea. Cause I think I think we live in a world where where just people seek justification. They do. I, I think we live in a world where where we are looking to be justified by someone. And, and now we can see we are justified in Christ. And, but what does that mean and how does it come to us? And I, I, sh- I could have spent more time on that and I didn't because, well, it was a communion Sunday, one. And so <laughs> I'm trying to be more concise. Number two, I was trying to focus on just the, just this idea of rethinking suffering under the cross. And so I, I, was, I was trying to focus on dear believer you are Christian, you have these things, this is yours. And yet we, when we suffer, just like the world suffers in the same ways, what the result is is different. And that's the paradox, right? Because when you suffer in the same way as unbeliever down the street, unbeliever down the street becomes jaded and, br- and brittle and angry. Um, and yet, dear Christian, you're not. Why? So I didn't get to spend a lot of time on that. Um, Also, I think I could have spent more time on, uh, because I just think it's fun, Um, you know, uh, Paul's words that it, you know, starting in verse 7, it is rare indeed that someone would die uh, for for a righteous person. Um, And then perhaps someone might actually go so far as to die for a person who has been good to him. Um, that's just a lot of fun to preach. I've done that before on, on, you know, I wouldn't die for someone (laughs) that just happened to be good for me. Maybe my children. Right. But, but would you die for, oh, wow, they gave me a sandwich. I'll take a bullet for him. (laughs) You you know, you could, I could have preached on that one, but again, not necessarily the, the point. So, and then I, that whole last half, I just, um, Avoided. <laughs> you do only have so much time, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'll I'll say that I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy having a theme that that forced me to maybe think more on the side of um, instead of taking the whole verse in, a, in in its totality, but to maybe just look at a portion of the verse and say how does how does Paul build up to that that point how does he build into that um and then letting that stand on its own and that was fun um 
the law I didn't come out and say you are brittle in your you know that would be like more of the specific law like uh saying you know whenever you're suffering you become brittle because that's our natural inclination I probably could have made that more forceful and I don't think I I did um I think it was it was it was maybe too include like too generally inclusive like you know um, our natural tendency is, but I didn't necessarily necessarily say, you know, but that's you. You have that inside of you that you naturally want to, to, to become angry and brittle and, and so on. So, so I, I didn't, I could have done better there. I mean, that's always the question when you're preaching the law is how much do you want it to be third use of this is right. Or how much do you want it to be first use of this is the mirror and this is what's going on? And, and how much do you I, want to be general and specific? Yeah. You know, um, you know, how many times do you want to call out, you know, Stan, this is this is for you. I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you, right there. You. No, not you. You. <laughs> yeah. Stop elbowing your husband. I meant you. Yeah. Don't elbow your wife. I meant you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. And and that's where, you know, the Holy Spirit works. Absolutely. Um, It was a good opportunity. I was, and my sermon changed throughout the week. So, so it was kind of a different sermon approach than what I normally had, had intended Um, because I had that visit on Friday and that visit was just a, an amazing visit. So, um, I remember shaking um, the individual's hand as he left, and and um, I said to him, I said, I should have brought my coffee cup that said, anything you say can be used in a sermon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he was fine. He was fine. So, And then I had a lot of other people that, that shook my hand, and they were leaving their like, Pastor, even though you didn't say who it was, we all know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> we know exactly who you mean. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. That's it. So that was my that was my uh, um, my sermon. Good opportunity to share and talk about uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul's letter uh, always in Paul's letters, and that's that's maybe the the hard part is he's very analytical. And logical, and so sometimes having just a one phrase kind of theme does not always work well with preaching in in Paul's letters. Um, yeah, well, and and especially Romans because the entire letter flows from from beginning to end. You know, for those right. Well, I mean, until you get to like the middle of chapter fifteen, where he says he gives that one blessing and then it's a bunch of yeah but but i mean yeah he builds off of okay so now that i've said this now i'm going to say this but you pretty much got to know what i said before because this won't make <laughs> yes. any sense yeah 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 no I, I it was great well i'm anxious to hear because you had a really good verse uh section of verses to to chew on here in the gospel of mark so um Take it away. We'll throw it up here for you. 
Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. He called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So, as I was preaching on these, the, the theme of my sermon was the, the contradiction of the cross. So I, I kind of liked how you talked about the paradox in yours. Uh, and, and so I, I talked about how when I, when I injured my, my fingers and then I had nerves regrowing, you know, it hurts. And, and so when your, your nerves are regrowing and it hurts, you're, your first impulse is to protect it and to keep it from from touching everything, and that's the exact wrong thing to do, because uh, your nerves don't know what what they're supposed to be doing. You have to teach them how to feel and and what normal is like, and so you have to use them. And if you protect them, they're just going to keep hurting, and it's just going to get worse. And so you have to feel stuff. You have to feel clothing and the whole bit. And so we do this with lots of stuff because we are we we don't know how to live our lives. We we don't know how to do the right thing. And it's one thing when it's nerves, it's another when it it just comes to to living, to being a, a good husband or or wife or or parent or child and uh and I, I used a couple of illustrations that we we've had twice as many deaths in the road on the roads as we had last year because the weather's been so good. And when you have good weather, people drive faster. And and when you drive faster, you get into car accidents that are more lethal. And, and that's what people do. They they don't know how to to live, and so they need that cross of bad weather to keep them from speeding. You know, you, you look at uh, what happens when people start wearing bicycle helmets and they they think, oh, I'm, I'm safe. I'm wearing a bicycle helmet. I can ride closer to the cars and I can get into an, an accident. Well, okay, it's good to wear a bicycle helmet, but also don't get it. Don't run into a car. That's a bad thing still, whether you're wearing a helmet or not. You know, because we we do things the wrong way. And 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 this is the sinful nature at work that we we mess up our own 
lives. And, and, and you see it here as we mess up our, our own lives and our own relationships, but it, it's also when we mess up our relationships with God. You look at the Old Testament reading, and it says how in all of these things, Job did not sin by accusing God of wrongdoing. And, you know, Job went through it, and he didn't accuse God of wrongdoing. I read it, and there are times when I accuse God of, of wrongdoing. It's, it's, it's a, a recognition that, that this is what the sinful nature is this is this is who we are and yet god decided to fix it by by taking all of our sins and and dying on the cross to pay for them and so the first contradiction of the cross is that what should be an an instrument of of torture you know became for us a source of of life and and so when Jesus says this has to happen, you know, it it has to happen because of what we need. Jesus must suffer these things because of us, because of our desperate need, because we have messed things up with God, because of our our sinful nature. And so that's why Peter is wrong in, in what he's telling. Jesus. And, and then how do we respond to that? And we respond to that by saying, oh, oh look, I'm forgiven. Now I can sin more. <laughs> you know, and so look at the greatness of God's love is that he knew that was going to happen. And, and so the contradiction of the cross is that, you know, another contradiction of the cross is that, yeah, you are forgiven. But this is God's love, and so that's all the more reason for us not to sin, because we see the greatness of God's love. And so it's not a threat of punishment that leads us not to sin, but it's knowing that you know, this is how much God loves us, that this is who our, our Savior is, and this is who God is that leads us to, to true repentance, to a true a true change of mind about our relationship with God and what he wants from us. You know, that God isn't threatening us with the cross, that you'd better not sin or, or you're going to get it in your life. It's, no, all of your sin has already been taken away. And so we don't sin because we know the cross. We know it's already gone and already forgiven and already taken away. And, and so when the cross comes into our life, you know, we think, oh, this is a sign that God has forgotten me, or, or God is punishing me. And, and that's what the world might think. But you know, this is another contradiction, you know, that nothing could be further from the truth, because all of your sins have already been paid for. There's nothing left to pay for. There's no leftover punishment for God to pour out on, on you. It's already gone. It's already taken away. And, and so if, and, and how could God forget somebody that he's purchased not with gold or silver, but with the holy, precious and innocent blood of, 
of Christ. You are far too valuable to him to ever forget. You are far too precious to God for him to ever misplace you or to neglect. Not to mention the fact that he's God. He doesn't forget anything. But you are his dearly loved and forgiven child. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so when the, the cross comes into our life, we see it in the same way as the, the cross in, in the life of Christ. That you know, ours is not meritorious. It does not earn anything for the salvation of the world. But that you know, the, the servant is not above the master nor the student above the teacher. But God is carrying out his plan of salvation and that, that we are a part of it in some way, just as Christ was. And so we take up our cross and we follow Christ. And there are times that, you know, we can certainly look for ways to get out from under the cross. There's nothing wrong with that. We can pray to God to, to get us out from under the cross and say, you know, we have a job and it, it goes south. You know, we can look for a different job. You know, we can pray that God helps us find a different job, but we recognize that there's going to be a line that we draw. I'm not going to do something sinful to get out from under the cross. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to, not going to do anything that God would hate because I love God and I want to please God because I trust God. And, and so if, if there's a cross in my life that that he has sent there, I, I take it up and I follow him because I understand that it's that it's worth it. And that there's a, a value in it, even if I don't necessarily see it you know, specifically in my life. I have faith that the God who loved me and sent his son into the world to pay for my sins knows what he's doing. Because he's known what he's doing for, for thousands of years now. He's not all of a sudden going to make a mistake with me. And, and that we look at the world and, and we can understand why sometimes the, the crosses are hard and, and difficult. Because uh, you know in Brooklyn Park, we had a, a, a shooting at the beginning of, of last week. And it happened you know, a half mile away from the... The church and you know so you've got like this whole afternoon evening where um, you got police cars everywhere you've got the helicopter flying around looking for the the suspect and um you know everybody's on edge you know and it's it's hard on the community it's hard on everything but what has god done for us you know in a, a situation like this you know, people who have been built up to maturity by, you know, patient endurance and the encouragement of Scripture have the, the Holy Spirit living in their lives, living in their hearts, as God's dearly loved and forgiven children, have the gospel message, the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, we can share that same gospel message with the people who need to hear it. And so we look at, at, at Job. You know, and what Job went through was hard, and I certainly don't want to go through anything like that. 
But then you look at at what he got to say in in Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives, and and how many people through through the 4,000 years, give or take, since that was was written, have heard have heard those encouraging words and been built up in their suffering to eternal life and have have gone into heaven and, and looked at Job and said, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> You're the I know my Redeemer lives guy. You know, <laughs> that that that's beautiful. That that helped me. You know, and that's what we get to do with with other people. And so when the cross comes into our life and, and we have that that patient endurance and that hope that that Paul talks about in Romans. It's not just for us, but it, it's for you know the the people in our lives. The same way the cross was in the life of Christ for for other people, for us, and so we share that gospel message of sins forgiven and a God who loved us so much that He would give up heaven itself and die on the cross to pay for anything which would have separated us from a holy, perfect, and righteous God, and that that's how much He loves you and cares for you with the people who need that comfort and peace. And that's what people need, because God is patient with sinners. And he's patient with people who are who are willing to, to do the wrong thing. And it, it's not in, in this situation, putting on a bicycle helmet and riding too close to a car or driving too fast because it's a sunny day. It's thinking you can solve a problem by pulling a trigger. But it's the same. It's the same sinful nature. It's the same mistaken way of solving problems. But more than that, it's the same solution. It's the same gospel. It's the same loving God. It's the same resurrected Savior. And it's the same. It's the same God, and the same eternal life, and the same hope that we all have. Very good. <clears throat> Did you, uh, any part of the text where you thought, you know, I probably could have focused on, or I wish I would have spent more time on, or? Um, I think one of the, one of the comments that, that one of the um, guys had made in, at Circuit when we studied this text was, uh, you know, imagine what being around Christ was like, that, that Peter felt comfortable enough to, to talk to Jesus like this. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that really struck me. And I, I kind of wish that I'd have found some way to, to talk about that. that um, you know, you, you think about everything Jesus did in his life where he, he raised the dead. He he drove out demons. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind and the, the ears of the deaf. And yet, you know, his his personality, his, his approach, his demeanor was such that, you know, Peter was still willing to take him aside and rebuke him. When you compare that to the presence of God on Mount Sinai, where where People are are begging for it to stop lest they die. You know, it, it's an amazing thing to see that humility in Christ and, and that love for for His disciples and that love for us. Um, that's and that's a, what that that is a really interesting. 
thing to think about because I think sometimes we, in our own in our own faith lives, we we kind of segregate like religion off and say this is a higher calling than I have to act a certain way, I have to treat it, to, and it's really kind of interesting to to be able to look at Peter and say, I don't know, I mean he saw everything and he was he kind of put his foot in his mouth all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very chummy with 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 Jesus um, to the point maybe where where uh, granted we learn from it right we learn we learn from it but maybe he overspoke or things so well and and there's so many times where you know Paul makes it clear we boast in our weaknesses and and none of the gospel writers are afraid to share their weaknesses. Paul's right. not afraid to show his weaknesses, and and that's a really freeing thing to do. Yeah. I'm not I'm not better than Paul. I'm not better than Peter. And Peter still had to be rebuked as well. So. Yep. Yeah. Um. So you uh, uh, your gospel, I thought, was very, very rich, you know, and in, in just being especially I liked it near the end there where you, you were bringing in some of the things that were happening in the community and and wrapping it back around and saying, you know, this is our natural response. Right. And these aren't the answers, but our answer is still the same. The, the yeah. answer that God has given to us is still the same because he's the unchanging Lord. How, how awesome is that? Um I did like the little humor. So uh, with Job, <laughs> you're the, you're the, I know my redeemer lives guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how many times, you know, is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had that request every, every single Easter Sunday. That's like uh, the request I have pastor. You can play almost any other, you know, Easter hymn, but we have to have, I know my redeemer lives. Um, that's like the mainstay. So yeah, oh absolutely. It's and and if you can have brass for I know that my redeemer lives, that's that is awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The most impactful thing I've ever I think I've ever heard was in a congregation. This was when I was young. They had the the drums, the big kettle like the or the big one where they go and, oh, nice. and they did that to introduce it. And then the clash of the symbols to introduce this on. I I just remember that. That is a, a very impactful way to preach that hymn. Yeah. So and, Yeah, and it, and it's one of those things that as we look at, at suffering and, and suffering under the cross, you know, it's very easy to get sidetracked by philosophy or, or cleverness or or you name it. But ultimately, what it comes down to is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It, it's the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that, that outweigh our suffering. It's the, the glory of the resurrection that outweighs the suffering that we go through. It's, it's his work for us that overshadows all of that and, and puts it in perspective and, and gives us endurance and and so it's not it, it's not human wisdom it, it's not what we do or or say it's what god has done for us and that's what we have in the, the section here and that's why that's why christ said it it's why mark recorded it because god knows yeah. 
And it was impactful for Mark. I think, I mean, you, uh, <clears throat> I, th- I think for, for Mark to, to remember that and to say, and, and granted it's all by the Holy spirit. And, and even if you give credit to, to Mark really telling the gospel of Peter, that this was Peter's, um, gospel. I mean, that's, to, to that was an impactful thing for them. Um, that, you know, years later, 40 years later, he's still thinking and thinking about bearing up under that suffering and following behind his Lord. Um, that was an important part in, in what he remembered. So, yeah, it, well, and that's one of those things that I, I think about, you know, being around Jesus for three years is how many of those lessons would just be burned into your mind and, and you yeah. can, you know, and I know from my time at the, the seminary um, and, and at MLC that, uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's those classroom moments where you're just sitting there and then the professor would say something and it's I still remember where I was sitting and I remember yeah. the professor standing there and I remember. Oh, those are a lot of those moments. I mean, they used to have, you know, where were you on, um, you know, 9-11, you know, what was going on? What were you doing? And, and people remember those things. They're impactful in their life. Um, but yet you, how many, I mean, John himself says, and, and Jesus did many other things. <laughs> yeah. You could write books and books and books, but these are written that you may believe. How many other things, I mean, this is a question that you just love to gather around with the apostles and say, let's just, just tell me, just talk with me about them when I get to heaven. You know, how many other things were done that that we just have no concept of because the Holy Spirit and Christ has said, you don't need those things. You just need these things. Um, but how many awesome things were done that, that are just like, man, <laughs> if only I was just a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> yeah. I like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I mean, yep. that's where, yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, you two. I don't know who you are, but we got to talk. <laughs> what was that walk like? Yeah, no kidding. And then to be so, and then how they felt. I, I don't know. I, I When you talk about the road to Emmaus, I know it's not the text that you're dealing with, but I always thought what they must have felt like when they had said to the guy, where have you been, under a rock? Like, <laughs> And then they find out that's uh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have literally been. Under a rock. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of, I always think of that. And it's like, that's just kind of funny. They have no idea. I mean, the fact, yeah. it's like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like. Where have you been? Well, I did have this descent into hell. Yeah. I was kind of busy doing that. Um, you know, chaining up the devil, dragging him through. You know, there's that. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's good stuff. I, I appreciate your words, appreciate your sermon and your, your service to the kingdom. Um, thank you very much for all of you who have, have listened. Uh, we are going to be doing this again for Lent 3. So uh, that'll be next Tuesday. And um, I haven't decided exactly what I'm preaching on. I'm leaning kind of towards the gospel. But I really love the book of Ephesians um, and Paul's words in Ephesians. So it's going to be a toss-up there for me as to, to whether or not I will be doing the Gospel of John or it's John 3. I mean, how can you how can you not, starting at verse 14? I mean, that's just, I mean, you get to have the Gospel in a nutshell. So that might be a, a decent one, but uh, I haven't yet to decide, so... Um, when you decide, we'll put it all together. And Pastor Rudat hopefully will be here with us and, and be a part of that as well. And then this Thursday, if you are still following along with our series of What's the Difference Anyway? and joining in on the conversations of the eight doctrines that divide the church, um, we are looking at the doctrine of Holy Communion uh, this Thursday. And so I'm excited to to dive in on that and and do some more studying and gathering around and talking about the sacrament of Holy Communion. So that should be a, a fun time for us on Thursday. Other than that, thank you very much. God's richest blessings as you continue your walk through Lent. Uh, hopefully tomorrow you will be gathering in your church of choice for a Lent service and continue to, to follow a series or listen to the Passion History or uh, whatever you're doing as you're reminded that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that... Uh, you're looking ahead to Good Friday, looking ahead to gathering around the tomb on Easter Sunday. And so until then, God richest blessings, and thank you for joining us for Beyond the Sermon.